welcome to the very first episode of Caged Animals, a weekly podcast brought to you by MMA Fight Club. I'm your host, Manuel Galarza, and in today's episode, we're going to cover the untimely and tragic death of Fawvake, one of the fighters, a uh, teammate of Israel Adesanya at City Kickboxing. And we're going to discuss some other uh, unfortunate passings actually in the ring, fighters who've died in the ring. And there is an interesting list uh, that I'll go over here with you. Anyway, let's start off here, today's episode, discussing um, the events of Fall Vake's passing. If you didn't hear about this, it was about a week ago. Um, unfortunately, Mr. Vake was uh, coming home, waiting for a taxi, um, in like in a metropolitan area and uh, he was struck from behind uh, somebody came unannounced he didn't know they hit him from behind um, very reminiscent of that game that uh, you may have heard of called knockout you'd see surveillance footage of people just walking on the street and then all of a sudden somebody hits them in the head with the goal being to knock them out knock them unconscious right Unfortunately, that's what happened here to Mr. Vake. Um, Fall Vake was 2-0 on his MMA career. From all intents and purposes, he was on the way up. Three-year-old daughter. Um, very good reputation in the gym. Trained directly with his Radasanya. Had just um, had a wonderful training session the night before. Or even that night, actually, I guess. And um, so, yeah, it was a, it was actually a week ago, uh, a week ago today, that he sustains these injuries. He's hospitalized, and the doctors inform his team, his 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 relatives that he's on life support. Um, so it was clearly a very very serious injury that he sustained here, and. Um, this week was a trying week. Family trying to convince doctors and medical team to keep him on life support, to be hopeful. And anybody in that situation would understand why they were feeling that way. Um, but unfortunately, he passed away. Uh, he passed away today, the 22nd of May. And... Uh, if you go to his tapology page, again, you'll see he's only fought two fights. He was 2-0. and um, But from what you hear from teammates and from you know notable teammates like Israel, he had a bright future. He was People expected that he was going to be doing some things. He had not fought in the UFC yet. He had fought in the XFC. And, um, you know, I'm sad to say he also leaves behind a three-year-old daughter. Uh, so... That's just another layer to this. Um, I'm not going to speak too much about the perpetrators other than to say that there was four gentlemen who were detained initially uh, regarding this, this this incident. And uh, they are still in custody. So um, at the very least, um, somebody will hopefully be held ac accountable for this, uh, this terrible crime. And... If you haven't heard of this game, Knockout, um, do yourself a favor. Go Google it. Um, you'll see some surveillance footage. It's disgusting. People getting just attacked 
you know, one punch out of nowhere, maybe from behind, maybe the person walks up in front of them, but you're not expecting to get punched in the face and someone just, boom, punches someone, the body just drops to the ground and I don't know what happened in this particular situation here with Mr. Mr. Vague, but, um, you know, could it be maybe that the first blow wasn't the one that really was as bad as the fact that once he got hit, you know, you fall limp, you fall like your your knees buckle because you're you've fallen like almost unconscious from this blow to your head. And then as you fall to the ground, you hit your head on a concrete surface or against a bench or you hit it against a, a concrete curb. That has killed people. Um, people have actually died like they've been in a street fight. And then they, they hit somebody, the person like falls down to the ground and it hits like their head on the curb. And it's that head hitting the curb, which actually becomes the fatal blow. So um, they're going to be charged with murder, clearly, because they were in custody. And, and unfortunately, Mr. Vake has died. So I, I think using cliches like let this be a lesson is just doesn't serve enough value here. Um, I'm hopeful that New Zealand... I mean, everywhere where you have law enforcement authority in this planet, that we can increase definitely the, the, the parameter of charges that you can charge someone. So, like, let's say somebody does this, right? But they don't, the person doesn't die. I mean, it's going to sound severe. Maybe we should be able to charge that person with attempted murder because you could actually kill someone doing this, right? So, um,. So yeah, what what can we do maybe in the in the in the penal code to possibly deter, you know, young kids cuz they've said it's a teenage thing. I think all of these perpetrators were late 20s. Um um it's not a New Zealand thing because it's happened over here in the states and it's happened in other parts of Europe. Um want to send my deep deep sympathies in regards to everyone at City Kickboxing. In a weird twist of irony, um, Israel Adesanya spoke on this particular issue or event, tragedy, assault, last week. And he shared a story where he had his jaw broken in the same kind of, in, in being the, on the wrong end of this situation like this, where he was out in public, it was a while back. Someone came up to him from behind. And you can imagine that scenario. Someone's punching you from behind. And the punch just catches you on your, on your bottom part of your jaw. And you're not braced for the punch. So, of course, a lot can happen. Well, it broke Israel's jaw. Like, you know, you train for a living. You are a mixed martial artist for a living. In Israel's case, like, multi-millionaire athlete, right, for a living. <clears throat> now you can't like go out in public like unless you have a buddy system because somebody might just come from behind and just cold clock you and then at that point it doesn't matter how much you've trained if they just catch you the right way they're going to knock you out in this case they killed Favik. Um so yeah very unfortunate very unfortunate news um, and as sad as it is these are the type of stories that we are going to uh, bring to the table each week here on Caged Animals. It's not the stories that you maybe, you know, make you feel good per se, but these are the realities, the other side of the sport. Um, 
and this in this case I thought it was it was an ironic twist that it involved you know domestic violence <clears throat> you would not think these trained athletes someone like this I mean imagine this when you first hear the story 25 year old um, you know gets into it you know he's MMA fighter very good shape you're thinking oh someone must have pulled a knife on him um, maybe he got jumped um, you know that's the first few things I thought like maybe he's intoxicated like you know I just start thinking how would someone get the up on a 25 year old up and coming like he's not training at the YMCA y'all like he's training at city kickboxing like he was sparring the night before with Adesanya from reports reports are out there that he was like getting the best of Adesanya that that training session I mean that's probably just a nice thing to say now considering his situation right but the point is he was not training like you know at a planet fitness okay he was literally an MMA professional fighter and he, he is just waiting just waiting for a bus and somebody just comes up there and just boom deads him with one shot so you know that's a crazy ironic twist to how this how this young man's life ends um 25 years old you know just just getting started with his career it's a, it's a real shame but um, again best wishes to his, his family everyone at city kickboxing um, his fans and his three-year-old daughter yeah his family this is uh, going to change them and it's going to change uh, the course of, of that family, his daughter, and all of that for forever. It's a permanent, permanent situation. So, all right, moving on to another topic. Um, you know, when I was looking up this story and trying to research a little bit about what happened here to Favig, came across, you know, just some other articles regarding, you know, fatalities. Um, actual fatalities in the ring and uh, the the thing that really shocked me I actually I had to take a double take was there's so many and that that really blew my mind like if you go like to wiki and that's where it really popped out to me like Wikipedia like there's just so many I, I haven't counted but there's a lot and um, when I say a lot like I'm not talking about hundreds but I'm just saying like, there's more than like there's more than 10, you know, and I expected to see like maybe one or two and then have it be from like, I don't know, some, some weird promotions, right? The one good thing is no one in the UFC has ever, you know, dropped dead in the ring, right? Because that, that would be bad. That would be really bad. And now you're seeing there's, there's better measures with like um, medical, like uh, clearances. You're seeing more of this. I, I, I doubt they went extensively as years ago as I do now and that's partially to you know prevent against this um, now the weight cuts are becoming like somewhat of a like that's a protected sort of like whole conversation right now for the UFC like they're trying to stay clear of of that blowing up in their face like there's been some little issues where fighters couldn't make it or like the fighters getting on the scale and looking unhealthy or shaking and you know one girl looked, looked like she was having a seizure recently I forgot her name but getting here to the point when I looked up these <clears throat> fatalities uh, yeah some stuff popped up you know like and it's up there you know there, there's some scary scary uh, experiences that have happened here and they have both the sanctioned fights where it's happening like actual sanctioned promotion 
or they have other fights that have happened where like, like unsanctioned fights and people have died. Um, like, listen to this here. 15-year-old Alfredo Castro Herrera died on April 14, 1981, following an unsanctioned mixed martial arts match described in the St. Louis Globe Democrat as boxing mixed with karate and judo. It was in Tijuana, Mexico. He was knocked out and uh, 15 years old. Like, whew. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's not good. That's not good. That's not what MMA is supposed to be about. I don't think anybody in the fight game would, would, would agree with that. It always makes me wonder when I see these, like, you see these fighters recently that are like, oh, he's been fighting since he was like, well, I'm exaggerating, but like, you know, like some of them are like 15, 16. They, they actually, you know, admit like, that's when I started fighting. And I guess if you're 16 and you're fighting 15, 16 year olds, then I guess that's okay. Even though I still kind of have issues with taking maybe too much repeated grown man head trauma and you're like your cranium and everything is like still developing. You're still maturing your hormones and all that stuff, you know, you're still growing. Right. I think training, I think all kind of, I think, you know, wrestling, a lot of different type of activities could be just fine, you know, but maybe not the repeated, like, I don't know, like the head trauma and those different things until like I, maybe something like 18, 19, 20, 21. I said my piece on that, but you know, yeah, that's a that's a tragedy there. You know, you see someone like that young man, Alfredo Castro, fifteen years old, dying in a fight. Here's another one here. Thirty five year old Sammy Vasquez competed in the Renegades Extreme Oct in October two thousand seven in Houston, Texas, right? So right here in the States. He lost the fight in third round by way of knockout. Okay, then the guy he loses consciousness again shortly after so like he got knocked out a little bit came to but then shortly after that he get he just passes out again all right he's taken to the critical care unit and he's got like a severe hemorrhage like a brain hemorrhage you know blood vessel just busted in his head um he died you know he had some other spinal fluid stuff which was a result of the, the hemorrhage but there's other ones you know um the young ones, I guess, that really bother me the most. Like, I mean, it's just tough. Like, 26-year-old Rondell Clark of Sutton, Massachusetts. He lost his second amateur fight at the Plymouth Memorial Hall in Plymouth, Massachusetts. He's competing against a welterweight. It's like, wasn't even healthy. Wasn't even big, big guys. You know, he ended the bat with a 1-0 record, which you see that. Like, you know, you see this where it's like a very, like, amateur one or two fights, not a lot of experience, low-level promotions, you know. Um, but, yeah, he got got hit real bad, beat up real bad, TKO, and, like, then couldn't even make it out of the ring. They had to put him on a stretcher, like, had, like, organ failure. Ended up being they found that he had a sickle cell trait, which kind of contributed to some other existing trauma he took. But... Um, yeah, there's some people here on this list. So if you if you ever, if you ever want to go look up the list of fatalities in the ring, um, it's it's more than you you would want to think it is, and uh, it's sad. You don't want to see that happen. You don't want to see people dying in pursuit of a paycheck. And um, 
you know, I do want to talk about that a little bit. I, I saw that um, Darren Till interview, and if you haven't seen that, uh, there's a video where he talks about specifically how scared he is when he's in that particular fight, and even talking about maybe backing out before the fight. Um, he even says, which is amazing. I give him a lot of courage. I give him a lot of uh, props for having the courage to. He says clearly, like I was gonna make up an injury. I was gonna fake an injury because I. I was that uncomfortable. I was scared, and like he's talking about scared of everything. Like we don't, as fans, talk enough about the anxiety that they have to have to perform, meaning to win. Like, if you're a champion right now, and, like, if you're a top contender, you still have the stress of losing because it's going to still affect your paycheck. So there is that anxiety. But the ones that are, like, hanging on, the guy who's lost, like, two in a row, or the guy who's, he just knows, like, his maybe his managers told him, his agents told him. Heck, maybe Dana White's told him, like, hey, man, one more bad showing, and, you know, it's, it's a wrap. Or maybe they just have like one fight left on their contract. <clears throat> or maybe two fights left on their contract. Like, try to think about your job. Try to put yourself like, you know, in your job job mode for a second. Oh, you know, I, what's your job security level like? How can you lose your job? Can you get hurt at your job? You know, and if look, if you if you work with your hands, if like, for example, you're like if whatever you work construction, then yes, you can get hurt. You can, you can get killed doing that job. I mean, heck, you could die in, in your car driving to your job. So, I I understand everyone who works at different levels of different jobs. They still expose themselves to injury. But I think we can all agree in this line of business, mixed martial arts. I think they expose themselves to a little bit more injury <laughs> possibilities, specifically the head. Um, than most other people like and think about it this is their job like don't don't think this is like this hobby and uh, like no some of these guys this is their main source of income this is what they do this is their passion it's what they love but the consequences of not performing properly in the ring or not blocking enough punches or not being up to par that day or the other person just being better than them the consequences are severe like it's it's like a demotion possibly, right? So like, wow, I did bad in my job today. What does that mean? Well, I guess if you do really bad in your job, you can get fired. That happens to anybody. So in mixed martial arts, if you have a bad day at the office, right? You could um, like, like Weidman, bad day at the office, man, right? Yeah, I broke, broke the hell out of my leg. Uh, Souza, like, yeah. Bad day at the office, honey. I'll see you at home. Oh, yeah, by the way, like, dude snapped my arm in half. Ooh, jeez, bad day at the office. So, like, I think you see that there's, there's clearly, like, for, for a UFC fighter, a bad day at the office could be, like, a hospital trip. I'm all puffied up, stitches, you know. I mean, I think, who was the heavyweight who won? Uh, yeah, the Vandera, Vandera, right? He, he upset, um tafa here this past weekend so he had a good day at the office because he was an upset heavyweight he won on decision he looked happy as heck he's a funny guy he had a funny way and he had like a little wave when he was on the on the on the scales being a funny guy but he 
he was bleeding like all over the place. He had this cut on his head. Looked like he got hit with somebody. Like like people look like somebody hit him with a piece of furniture. Honestly, <laughs> he had like a gash on, on top of his head, and it was just leaking blood all over the place. It wasn't a huge gash, but it was it was it was there. And at one point in the fight, you were wondering if the fight might be stopped because of it. Here's my point. He just had a good day at the office, and this dude literally has a gigantic you know gash on his head. So. That sport is tough, and that's someone's job. You know that is is very difficult. I think it fan as fans we're very easy to forget about the wear and tear that basketball players have on their legs, or football players have on their legs, or I guess any athlete right that has on their body their legs. You know the pounding. You know, it's uh, it's it's often taken for granted. And in mixed martial arts, what ends up happening, and Darren Till was talking about it, then there's this anxiety to perform and to keep my job and to do well. And that anxiety can be very, very unhealthy for these guys. And, uh, you know, so you see there's a lot of emotions out there. There's a lot more going on behind the scenes. There's more mentally going on than what we think of as, as fans. And I'm, you know, I give Darren Hill again a lot of credit. He came out. I would encourage you to go ahead and listen to um, that video. It's an interview after one of his fights, and uh, he just talks from the heart. He talks about the anxiety. He talks about the stress. He talks about, you know, how difficult it is, you know, to go through that. And you can see why some of these fighters are experiencing or showing symptoms of mental health. You know, like Tony Ferguson is a classic case who I believe now he's on medication. He's doing better. You know, he's you know, he's back with his wife. I think things are a lot better in his life overall than at one point than they were at one point. Um, But I wondered, and I'm just asking this question out loud, you know, to you, the audience is, you know, maybe you could help answer this question. Like, do you think working in a profession that is extremely stressful and fill with anxiety, fear, unsurety, short lifespan, um, emotional roller coaster. Like imagine you're on top of the game at one point, you're even a champion, you're submitting people in front of thousands of people. You're knocking people out and every punch you land you're hearing, Wow, wow like I don't care who you are. Emotionally, you, your body, your mind is on a roller coaster when you're going from moments like that to moments of losing to then I might lose my job. I might never fight for a title again. So let's say you have some pre-existing conditions, right? I'm going to sound like a doctor now. What are your pre-existing conditions, sir? Well, let's say maybe you did have some, you know, you were you were already predisposed predisposed to having pi you know bipolar disorder let's say you had already been diagnosed with um you know some type of anything i, I don't want to start coining a bunch of terms and you know get out of hand here but any kind of mental health disorder if you were diagnosed with that even at a young age and then you end up in this career right i think we could see how that could blow up right that could become the worst situation like really worse situation and that brings me to the last uh, topic here Erwin Rivera 
that is another recent tragedy and that he's a UFC fighter or was a UFC fighter. Erwin Rivera is the gentleman who like went on a stabbing spree recently in Florida. Like I'm talking recently back in January and he was he's been you know booked, he's been charged like he's been charged with like attempted murder the whole nine. Like he he just about killed his sister. He stabbed her repeatedly a bunch of times and you know, there's a lot more to that story that has to come out. Seems like he kind of just broke, like he cracked. Um, some reports say that he did not recall what he did or what happened. But um, yeah, this is this is a this is a this is a very scary career choice if you are, again, someone who already had possible mental health underlying issues because now. You know, at one point you're you're doing well, you're training, you're you're hardening your mind, you're you're focused, and that's what martial arts is good for. Bring everything in, focus, breathing, even some level of peace. If you're training with the right coaches or senseis or people that are really helping you study the martial art of it, it does help you get some center. I think we could though admit as fans, we could see some guys who like they're probably skipping that part of the art form right they're not focusing too much on the centering and the peace aspect right some of these dudes just have been fighting their whole life and all they want to do is just go in there bang and fight and do some of those guys have like mental health issues already and then this sport is like exasperating those mental health issues and then we're like sweeping the mental health issues like underneath the carpet we can't talk about this like something was going on with urban rivera the UFC hadn't cut him at that time, so he was still on the active roster when he commits this like crazy stabbing spree. Um, and of course, I'm not blaming the UFC for cutting him after that and then distancing themselves from the incident. I mean, you have to, you know, you don't, you don't want no part of that. I I would challenge the UFC, um, Bellator, all of these fighting promotions try to see if you can find some type of um, a tangible consistent way to measure the athletes like mental fitness right we're going to get better at doing that one day we're going to like like fast forward 100 years from now like we'll have better ways to analyze if people are mentally fit to be let's say a police officer you know, I, th I think some people maybe are not mentally fit to do that job. Um, and I'm not, so I'm, not, I'm not talking about a racist. I'm just talking about just simply like some people, maybe that's not what they should be doing. Right. Or an elementary school teacher or a lot of different jobs. How do we evaluate your mental fitness? Right. And so that's probably the last thing that's being evaluated when you look at these fighters in terms of their value to the promotion, their value to the fans that are watching them, right? Fans have no clue who like Khabib Nurmagomedov is like outside the ring. Um, one time he jumped over the cage and acted like he was having like a breakdown and like, you know, complete madness. And unless you understood where the anger was coming from and why he did all that and why he was throwing his mouthpiece and coming out furious and, you know, not controlling his emotions. You might think, well, this dude's like, well, you know, like this sport, like 
they're in the ring. The octagon has metal fences, like almost like some throwback, a modern version of the pit, like in Rome, in Greece, when you're watching the gladiators fight in a pit. The octagon is like, it's for two pit bulls to just tear each other apart. And then the last one standing with blood all over them is the victor. And in 2021, you know, mixed martial arts were not far, far removed from what that was back in the days of the gladiators. You know, we cheer for the blood. We cheer for, you know, the goriness of the sport, the injuries and all this stuff. Um, you know, but wow, that takes a toll. Like it takes this uh, emotional toll on the fighters, their families, like, um, you know, and they're just people. So you, you see how in all of this, like maybe some of that's being hidden. And I'll, I'll give you a, a motivation. Why would a fighter hide their mental unfit part, right? Why would I hide my mental, let's say my, my mental weaknesses, my mental deficiencies, right? I would hide them because I would be concerned that if they come out, I'm going to end up not, not getting the next fight. I'm going to end up being looked at as a, as a weak person. I'm not fit. I have to, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a baby, whatever. I'm an emotional mess. I'm not solid. Okay, I'll draw a comparison. A lot of NFL players have got on the record, college players have got on the record for football and said they would forego letting a doctor know if they were having a, a head injury or concussion because they didn't want to lose their spot, their position, their money, their next contract, chance to play, on and on and on and on. And I'd say for NFL players, they're making a lot more money than most UFC guys. And so some of them to basically be willing to hide their head injuries because they're, they they need the paycheck. They want to keep going. They want the next contract. Um, what What's going on now with, with MMA fighters? They could be sustaining mild concussions or full-on concussions in training leading up to the fight and not be willing to report it. How does the UFC measure this? How do they measure when was the last time this fighter may have sustained concussion? Like, could that have happened in training? If the if the if the athlete and the coaches are not going to report it, like self-report, like, hey, I got a concussion on 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 this day here in training. I'm going to need you know three to four weeks to get reevaluated before I can fight. Like, uh, no, they're not doing that. The coach, the athlete, they're they're playing. Russian roulette with the brain. They're saying, I think my athlete's fine. He's okay. It was just a stinger. Man, that's a that's a time bomb, huh? That's a ticking time bomb. I think the UFC is aware of this. They're doing the best they can. They probably have their paperwork all tidied up. But um, I would challenge the UFC, Bellator, every fight promotion. If you're going to be legit in the area of protecting athletes from additional mental health issues or additional physical like brain problems then they need to be able to evaluate the mental you know fitness of these fighters as they're getting into their the ring as they're going to be fighting that weekend and then also to be able to evaluate have they been sustaining injuries recently like could an mri do that like do they do an mri what i wonder maybe maybe some kind of a really deep mri before every single fight to make sure, you know, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to think of ways that the UFC can protect themselves. 
and then most importantly, they can protect the fighters, you know, because when you read these stories of the first topic or second topic we talked about in this episode regarding the fighters who've died, some of them had some pre-existing conditions, which if, if they were more known at the time, could have prevented them from dying uh, in the ring. So, you know, I think the same thing goes for this, for the mental piece. Uh, it's a big challenge, you know, stories like Irwin Rivera and his crime, um, you know, this is disturbing. You hear Darren Till talk about, you know, his fear and his anxiety. Um, and I'm sure he speaks for a lot of the athletes that they feel the same way, you know, so or similar or have similar fears or similar anxieties. So anyway, uh, that brings us to the end of our our first episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the topics we discussed. Um, you know, as we close this first episode, uh, we'll remind you this is a weekly podcast so caged animals will be coming back we'll do every sunday you know we'll we'll go ahead and record on sundays and we'll we'll publish our podcast on sundays and so maybe if you're you know coming home from from church coming home from family or um just catching up on the weekend sporting events and uh you want to shift gears a little bit um pop on our uh our weekly show caged animals and uh get a little different look at the world of mma so before we go, I do want to say one more time, uh, special, special, you know, shout out to Favake, his family, his friends, teammates, supporters, left us way too soon, brother, way too soon. On that note, thank you very much for spending the time for, with us today. This 30 minutes was fun, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Bye.